Ladies, welcome. We continue our study of the Parashiyot uh, Shavua. We're up to Parashat Noah. Uh, means we missed Parashat Bereshit, not your fault, I was away. Uh, I don't regret it. Parashat Bereshit is the most difficult of all the Parashiyot. So anytime I have an excuse, uh, not to speak on Bereshit, I welcome it because although in school they make it as if it's the easiest parasha, they teach it to one-year-olds, but as you get a little older you start to see that uh, it's really beyond uh, comprehension a lot of the things. And If I don't understand it fully, certainly I would not be able to convey it to our members. So happily we are now moving on to uh, ten generations later. The parasha Noah. <clears throat> and this parasha, of course, brings us to uh, many, many important observations. And I think uh, there's a point that I want to reveal today that I don't think is so well known. But just allow me to read some pesukim so we can understand the simple text without getting complicated first. Then I'll complicate it in a minute. toledot <laughs> Noah. So these are the descendants of Noah, Noah is Sadiq, Tamim Hayabedorotav. So Noah was a Sadiq. I think we all know what that is. And he was a Tamim. Okay, Tamim is a certain sort of perfection. Hayabedorotav in his generations. Noah, and Noah walked with God. The first thing that catches everybody's attention is, I mean, there's only one Noah. But the Pasuk sounds like there's two Noahs. When the Pasuk says, Ele toledot Noah, Noah. I mean, the Pasuk could have just as well said, Ele toledot Noah, Isadik Tamimayabitorta. But we know who we're talking about. Why does the Pasuk have to back to back right away tell us, Noah, Noah? When we know that there's only one Noah. So that got me thinking that maybe there's two Noahs. The Noah that we know, and then the Noah that we don't know. So I came to reveal to you today the Noah that you don't know. And then, then this Pasuk will become uh, much clearer to us. Furthermore, the Pasuk says, Ish Sadiq Tamim Hayabidorotav. He was a Sadiq and he was a Tamim. Technical point before we go further. Is Sadiq Tamim two praises or is it one praise? That's the way I always learn. Sadiq Tamim is two. Just for the record, there is another way of learning the Pasuk. The way the Ketabah Kabbalah learns the Pasuk. He says that there's a Sadiq and it is a perfect Sadiq. So the way you say a regular Sadiq is it's Sadiq. But when you want to say perfect Sadiq, you would say Sadiq Tamim. So therefore, according to him, it's quite possible that. It's just one praise. It's telling us what type of tzaddik he was. He was not an imperfect tzaddik, he was a perfect tzaddik. Like we would say today, oh, this is a tzaddik gamur. So how do you say tzaddik gamur in the way of the Torah? Tzaddik tabim, a perfect tzaddik. That's the way that Ketav Kabbalah <coughs> learns. But again, the majority of the opinions, and I think also I would say, from the Pasuk it sounds like it's two praises because if you look at the ta'amim, the, the tune, it's Noah is Sadiq, and there's a comma. 
It's a tibir. Tibir is a, a, a note. Noah is Sadiq. That's a pause. Tabib Hayabidorotab. So therefore, from the way they punctuate the Pasuk, it does seem that it is two different items. Fine. So it was a Sadiq, it was a Tamim. And when we see a Sadiq and a Tamim, so the Pasuk says, Bidorotav, in his generations. In his generations, I mean, Noah lived in a generation. It's his generation. Doroshel Noah. Why does the Pasuk say Dorotab in his generations? I mean, I think a person lives in his generation. Why would it say generations plurally? Well, that's a, a beautiful answer that I saw brought down from Rav Yosef Karo. Rav Yosef Karo, it's not so well known, he's the author of the Shuhan Aruch. Many years ago when I was in Jerusalem, when I was still uh, uh, learning in Eretz Yisrael, I was a bachelor, I went into the bookstore, Nehov Yafo, and in the back, the uh, proprietor said, this is a, a sefer that you might enjoy. A small little sefer, not more than 100 pages. And the name of the book is called Derashot Bet Yosef. The Derashot of Rav Yosef Karo on the Torah. I was not aware that this rabbi, <coughs> who authored the Shuhan Aruch, also had some pieces on the Torah itself. And they're precious pieces. And one of the things he deals with is this question, what does it mean Bedorotav? And he goes on to explain the word tzaddik is usually used to somebody that is uh, very, very meticulous in his morality, meaning in his kiddushah. He doesn't commit any acts of promiscuity. That's they call it tzaddik, like Yosef tzaddik. <clears throat> Tamim represents somebody that has full faith. Like it says, Tamim tihiyeh imashem elohecha. If you say a person is tamim, that means his imunah is impeccable. Noah says the Bet Yosef lived in two generations. He lived in the Dora Mabul, and he lived in the following generation called Dora Palaga. In Dora Mabul, the main sin was ki hashchit kol basar. There was immorality, and therefore, in generation one, G one, he was a tzaddik. In generation two, which was the Dora Palaga, their main sin was Abu Dazara. They were building a tower to fight God. And therefore, their sin was imunah, or lack of imunah. And therefore, in generation two, Noah was a tamim. And therefore, the pasuk is to be read, Noah each sadiq tamim, respectively, bedorotav. In G1, he was a sadiq, and in G2, <coughs> he was a tamim. This explains a pasuk later on in the perashah. Later on in the parasha, it says that God says to Noah, Bo teba. Go unto the Teba. Why? <clears throat> because I see that you're a tzaddik in this generation. And all the rabbis say, what do you mean? It says in the beginning he was a tzaddik tamim. And now God says he's only a tzaddik. So what happened? So they say, oh, we learn a lesson from here. That when you're praising somebody to his face, you only praise him Partially, which is the principle that's taught, mixat shelo befanav. If I'm talking away from the person, then read the whole read the whole uh, uh, list of compliments. But I guess when you're talking to the person directly, you don't want his uh, him to uh, be uh, uh, you know get arrogant and his mind will uh, swell. So therefore, you give him mixat shevaho. So therefore, although Noah was a tzaddik tamim, when God talks to me, he says, ah, "You're a tzaddik." 
But according to the Beit Yosef, we have a deeper answer. That what? In the beginning of the parasha, it's giving us an overview of Nawah. The overview is in Dorotav, he was a Tzadik Tamim. But in the generation of the Mabul, which is when God spoke to him to go on to the Teba, what does God say? In this generation, you've proven yourself to be a tzaddik. And that's all we need for this generation. You know, next generation, you'll show your muscle of timimut. But for now, for generation number one, you're a tzaddik. So actually, that's the full complement of Noah. God's not minimizing Noah at all. At this point, the only accolade of Noah is that he is a tzaddik. That takes care of some pshat business and how to learn the and how to learn the pesukim. Now I know there's a big argument, and I know you heard this argument a hundred times. <clears throat> I'm not even sure it's an argument, but let's assume it's an argument for a minute. And ev- everybody, for some reason, judges Noah. Was he really a tzaddik? Was he not a tzaddik? And for some reason, I don't know why Noah has this luck that. You know, nobody ever questions any other tzaddik. When you talk about Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, but Torah tells us they were great people, and the verdict is in them, but he says, they were great. And then it comes to Noah, and the Torah can't be more clear. Noah is tzaddik, tamim. And they say, well, is that true? And they start saying, well, you compare him against Abraham, I don't know how big of a tzaddik he was. Well, in his generation, you know, they say he was a tzaddik. But put him in Abraham's generation, ah, he wouldn't have fared uh, into anything big. And some say, no, the opposite. On the contrary, if he was a tzaddik in his generation, a bunch of creepy people, could you imagine if you put him in a good generation, he would have, uh, he would have shined uh, much, uh, much brighter. All right, I'm not going into why they decide to measure Noah against everybody else. That's what they're doing. That's his mazal. You know, he becomes the relative tzaddik. So, I did see from Rav Chaim Kanievsky, and I think he's basing it on the Hazon Ish, that he learns that there's no argument between these two opinions. Again, let me explain you the opinions. One opinion says, yes, he was a tzaddik in his generation, and if he was a tzaddik in his generation, or to a bunch of wicked people, certainly he would have been a bigger tzaddik in a better generation, let's say the generation of Abraham. And then some say, no, he was only a tzaddik in his generation, because, you know, Compared to everybody else, Noah looked better than he was, but if you put him in a, uh, uh, in, in, in a different generation, he wouldn't have shined as much. So if Chaim Kanievsky, I think from Hazuni, he said, it's not a mahlukah. They're saying like this, that indeed, Noah in his generation was a tzaddik, and he was the best tzaddik he could have been in that generation. I mean, it was a rough generation to live in, and he did the best that he can. Now, if you would put Noah on that level that he was in his generation, and you put him in a different generation, as is, he would not uh, shine as much. But guess what? That wouldn't have happened. Because if you put Noah in another generation, he actually would shine brighter. So therefore, it's, it's two ways of looking at it. Which means One rabbi says, it's Lignai. Put him like this in another generation, and he's not so great. But guess what? If you're going to put him in another generation, he's not going to be the same Noah, he's going to be greater. So therefore, they're not arguing, they're just looking at it from what he was or what he, what he could be. Fine. But clearly there is an opinion that's saying 
that if he was in the generation of Avraham, he wouldn't have been, uh, he wouldn't have been so great. And I'd like to explain that. They're comparing Noah to the generation of Avraham, to Avraham Abinu. Read Rashi. Rashi comes along and says, If it would have been in the generation of Avraham, ah, he wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have been uh, 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 anything. I don't know why exactly. I don't know why. What, what, what are they trying to say? Okay, that's just an introduction. Now I'll take a sip of my tea. Yeah, I, I have no doubt about that. So now, now we begin to what I believe is the hardest Rashi in Parashat Nawah. I'm going to attempt to try to explain it. So anyway, Noah's preparing uh, to build the uh, to build the teva, and finally it's built, and all of a sudden the rain starts. So the pasuk says, the pasuk says clearly that Noah goes on to the teva. Perek, uh, for those that are following, Perek Zion, Pasuk Zion, Zion, Zion. Vayavon Noah ubanav veishto, unche banav ito elateva, mepenem mehamabul. Okay, explain. Vayavon Noah, Noah ubanav, and his sons, veishto, and his wife, and unche banav, his daughters in law, they all go on to the teva. And you know why they went on to the teva? Pasuk says, Because of the waters of the flood. Oh, I'm glad the Torah had to tell me that because I thought they went on because they were going on a Caribbean cruise. What, 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 what does the Pasuk have to tell me over here? Of course that's why they went on to the Teba. You have to tell me that by this point over here we know that there's going to be a Mabul. God warned it and God told them to build the Teba. So does the reader have a question? Hey, why is he going on the Teba? Nobody has that question. Of course he's going on the Teba for only one reason. Not for his health. He's going on the Teba in order to, to, to save himself from the Mabul. But the Torah that doesn't waste an extra word feels it important to say, you should know, Rabotai, if anybody had any doubts why he went on the Teba, it is for one reason. Now before I read Rashi, which really should come first, I guess, but before I read Rashi, I'd like to tell you a novel explanation that I saw again from the Sefer HaKtab Kabbalah that answers this question. And I think it's a beautiful answer. The Mabul started on the 17th of Hajvam, which incidentally is my birthday, just for the record, if you want to <laughs> put that in your notes for later reference, it might, uh, it might serve you well. Anyway... But Noah did not go on the Teba on the 17th of Hajvan, says Birkid Rebili Ezzet. He actually started to move into the Teba a week before, on the 10th of Hajvan. That's when Noah went on to the Teba initially, but it wasn't a permanent entrance into the Teba. He was on and off, he slept on the Teba, and then during the day he went off moving stuff on, luggage and carry-on and all the stuff that he needed, I guess the last minute, uh, last minute stuff. And then he finally enters the Tema for good on the 17th of Hajvan. That's what it says. 
Now, we all know that Noah was not allowed to be with his wife on the Teba, nor were his children. It was separate seating. It was a religious uh, event. So therefore, the men had to be separate, and the ladies had to be separate. Now, what's the reason? Because God's bringing a mabul to the world. The world is in, uh, in agony, in peril. There's no time for uh, the men and the women to be uh, enjoying themselves. So therefore, they had to be separate. So the question is, well, on the 10th of, 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 of Hashvan, when he went on, technically it wasn't the mabul yet. The mabul was just pending. That was the forecast. The mabul, the seven-day forecast, there's going to be a mabul. So the question is, uh, if you read the pasuk, it says, Noah and his sons, and his wife and the girls. It separates them. So the question then is, but why did they have to go separate? The mabul didn't start yet. So the pasuk says, no, they went like this, for the impending flood. Because since the flood was coming, that's why they separated themselves a week before. So the pasuk is not explaining why they went on to the teba. Of course we know why they went to the teba. Why did they separate themselves? Noah accepted upon himself, we'll say, a stringency. Now listen, even though technically we're only forbidden, you know, from when the Babul starts, but we're going to start now, because the fact that it's coming in a week, the impending flood, that's why they separated at that point. Is that clear? Am I explaining it correctly? Good. But that's not what Ashi says. I wish that's what Ashi says, because if Ashi would have said that, you saved me a whole, uh, uh, you know, long time to explain the purpose of Rashi is to fix the Pasuk. Well, he definitely fixes the Pasuk, but he leaves us broken. Listen to what he writes. Now please, hold on to your seats. I'll explain it. Even Noah had diminished emunah. He didn't have so much belief. I mean, we say in English he was skeptical. Is the mabul going to come? You know, is it not going to come? He didn't go on to teba until the waters actually pushed him on. So therefore the pasuk is saying, you know what forced Noah to go on the Teba? That actually the Mabul washed him onto the Teba. In, implying that what? That he, 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 he was, uh, he didn't know if it was going to happen or not. He was Mekitane Amana. And I'm reading this Lashi. And listen, Lashi, he did his job. He explained me the Pasuk, Mabul, and then he moves on. But he said, well, but, but I'm stuck over here. What are you telling me? Noah was Mekitane Amana? I mean, this is a man that spent the last 120 years of his life building a Teba. Now, I'm going to say that if you're investing yourself for 120 years, you believe it. I mean, <laughs> the, the effort, the time, the money, the energy... I mean, the ridicule that he went through. I mean, you're not going to involve yourself in such an you know, arduous task. 
for over a century's time if you don't believe in it. And then all of a sudden, Rashi drops a bomb. And he says, listen, he was a ma'amid, the inner ma'amid. You know, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Well, listen, his behavior definitely does not portray this attitude of a ma'amin ve'enu ma'amin. I mean, I, I would say that if there's any ma'amin in the Mabul, in, in mabul uh, theory, it's Noah. Noah wrote the book on ma'amin. Uh, he, I mean, more than anybody else in the world, he proved himself that he's a ma'amin. He collected all the animals and he's doing all this. And then what? At the end of the day, he's uh, with his hand like, eh, he's still not sure. What is he not sure of? It's a big question. In previous years, I'll tell you how we answered it. Although I'm coming to say a different answer today. But I want to just review what we said in previous years. There's a sefer called Amar Naka. I have it here. It was written by a great rabbi called Rabbi Ovadyami Bartenura. Now, I'm not too sure the ladies are familiar with this rabbi called the Bartenura. Maybe you drank his wine. But the Bartenura is known for his commentary on Mishnah. He is the main commentary. When you learn Mishnayot, you read it with the Perush of the Bartenura. And I don't know how much Mishnayot you read, but that's the go-to commentary in Mishnah. Rabbeinu Abayyame Bartenura. They call him the Rav. Rav, Resh, Ayin, Bet. They don't want to say Ra'av, because that means famine. So they, show, they take out the Ayin, like, and they call him the Rav. It's not so well known, but he wrote a pirush on Rashi also. And he discusses this Rashi in Amar Naka. And he says an unbelievable explanation. And he says, listen, there is a midah, a measure of God, that's called the measure of mercy. God is the Hamim. And that's his midah. El rahom v'hanun, erech apayim, rab chesed v'emet. God is a merciful God. And we all know that God is very, very uh, 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 patient. Before bringing punishment, but Olam gives the sinner a lot of time to repent. We know it. On the day that a person sins, God doesn't strike him down that moment. He lets him survive the event and repair it. And sometimes it's tens and sometimes it's hundreds of years that a Kadosh Baruch Hu is Erech And even take, for example, the flood. The people already reached the level Ki Kol Basar. They were corrupt. They were degenerate. They reached very, very low levels on, on many, many different areas. On immorality, on, on honesty. Gezel, Hamas, all these things. And God said, therefore, Ketz kol basar, the end of man uh, is in my mind to destroy them. Uh, and therefore, I am destroying them and I am destroying the whole world with them. Uh, no problem. So what does he tell them? Now, how long did it take to build the Teba, as I told you? 120 years. Now, what does that mean? You thought that when God said Ketz Kol Basar, God reached his, uh, his, uh, his end point. No. Even after God said, I'm going to destroy the whole world, he still says, uh, give him a chance. And when God says give him a chance, it doesn't mean give him a chance till Tuesday. 
It means give him a chance, we'll give him another century and change. So therefore, Noah is seeing how merciful God is. That he doesn't want to bring it. He doesn't want to bring the flood. He wants the people to repent. And then after the 120 years, you know what happened? God tells Noah, there's a delay. What's the delay? I'm delaying it another seven days. Why? Because there was a tzaddik called Metushelah. And God did not want Metushelah to experience the flood. So he said, we're going to wait until Metushelah passes and the seven days of his mourning, the avilut of Metushelah passes, and therefore another delay. So Noah scratching his head and saying, 120 years, and then plus seven. So Noah did not believe that the flood was going to come because he believed in the mercy of God is so great that not that husband of God cannot bring the flood and that not that he questioned if it's possible or if God actually has the ability. Of course, that's why he built the Teba. But he had such emunah in God's uh, 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 patience and God's midat rahamim. So therefore... Of course he's a ma'amin, but he's an inno ma'amin because he says, Bore Alam is going to delay it again. There's going to be another delay. And maybe he'll do something else to shake the people to make the shuvah in order that he doesn't have to destroy the world. So he's a, basically what we would say over here, Noah is a great ma'amin in the midat rahamim of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. And because of that, he's not such a big ma'amin that the flood actually will happen. Is that how we're learning it? So he's a ma'amin berahmanut. And therefore, he's an enoma amin in the actual execution of the flood. Is that a good way of explaining it? That's, that's the way the Amman Nakas says that. It's a beautiful explanation. If anybody wants to look at other sources that deal with this, there's a great rabbi called the Aptarov in his sefer called Ohev Yisrael. I'm not going to explain you his interpretation today. Ayin Sham, he has a different approach to explain this Rashi. I would like to offer a, a novel explanation in order to understand what it means over here when we say, Ap Noah Amanahaya. What does it mean? There's a strong question that needs to be asked, just as a general question in the whole paracha. God wants to save Noah. There's no question about that. And his family. Is the teba the only option? Clearly not. God never has only one option. Humans are limited, A, B, C, that's it. God's options are infinite and unlimited. Now, you have to think for a second. There has to be an easier way, at least from Noah's standpoint, how to save this man. I mean, it's a misconception to think that Noah had an enjoyable existence on the Teba. He did not. We have actual testimony to this. There's a famous 
exchange. It's brought in the Midrash, in Teilim. And uh, I have the Midrash in front of me. Midrash, Teilim, and Perek, Lamedzayim. Avraham Avinu, at a certain point in history, meets up with Shem, the son of Noah. You remember the story? Avraham Avinu went to war, and when he came back from war with the four kings and the five kings, and he saved Lot, on the way back he meets a fellow uh, called Malki Tzedek. And we never heard of this guy, Malki Tzedek. So that she says, oh, a.k.a. that shit was also known as Shem ben Noah. That's Shem. Shem ben Noah is Malki Tzedek. Now, this is an amazing moment over here because Abraham finally is meeting a survivor. You know how you talk about people meeting somebody that survived Auschwitz, God forbid, or somebody that survived Treblinka or the Holocaust. Here, Abraham now is face to face with somebody that survived the Mabul. And there's not too many people like that. I mean, there's only, uh, you know, Noah and his immediate family. So the Midrash comes along and says, he asks Shem, tell me about the, the Mabul. Tell me about the, what happened. And Shem says, it was terrible. And he's talking as a survivor. He's saying, we didn't sleep. All day long feeding the animals. Every animal has a different feeding schedule. And it was a, a, a very, very laborious work over here. And it was like a prison. And we were incarcerated in this Teba. Uh, How good could the ventilation have been? And uh, uh, he goes on to explain how it wasn't, uh, wasn't so pleasurable. Uh, I mean, I have some copies of Midrash that when God told Teba, when God told Noah, leave the Teba, you don't get off the Teba. So the Midrash comes along and says, Tzem in a Teba. Noah reacts and says, Take me out of the masker. Masker is the, the penitentiary, the, 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 the jail. He says, It was he was locked up, he was cooped up in the teba. The 12 months that he was on the teba, he didn't sleep. Not no one, not his children. I mean, the Midrash goes on. Elephants have their food and their time, and the birds have their time. Some animals eat some eat three hours into the night. <laughs> and then we all know, you know, the, the one time poor Noah was late with the uh, with the lion's uh, main course. Uh, you know, the lion, uh, he hit the waiter. He hit Noah. He said, no, I didn't, uh, you're late. I'm, I'm, I lost my appetite. That's it. You take it back. You know. where's, the, where, where's the manager? So he beat up Noah. When Noah came off the table, he says, he had ach. He had, he had, uh, he had sciatic. So, so side point. I think it's a gross misconception when you get the, your kids will come home from yeshiva, your grandkids, with the coloring, uh, uh, the, the papers from yeshiva, and they show Noah and his family smiling in front of the teba, you know, as if they're on a carnival cruise of something, and they're taking pictures before the teba, as they're all happy. This is not the case. I mean, this was, 
uh, like the Al Sheikh says, it was a it was a tough tough ride for Noah. And then the question is why? I mean, the Midrash says that there was no flood in Eretz Israel. So send them on a sabbatical. Send them on a, on, 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 on a year paid vacation, paid leave. Let them live in Israel for, for, for a year. And then after the flood's over, he can move back to wherever he was living. I mean, as many ways God could have said, no, but it seems that specifically he wanted him to be saved this way. Furthermore, there's a great rabbi called Hatam Sofer asked this question. How long did the flood last? Uh, you know that already. 40 days. 40 days. Now, just as a, a question, when do you think everybody died in the world? Which day of the 40? I'm going to guess day one. How do you like that? I'm going to get, because it says that the waters that came from underground were boiling, scalding hot water. This was not a, you know, not like a, not like a jacuzzi either. This was scalding hot, boiling waters. So uh, the second the waters started to rise up, finished. There's no way to escape. They didn't have uh, uh, skyscrapers. The guy wasn't living in the, in the penthouse of the, uh, the Waldorf Astoria. They're living in a mud house. So before you know it, day one, once the water starts to rise, <coughs> there goes the world. So technically, says the Hatam Sofer, when could have Noah get off the Teba? Day two. And if you want to say, okay, well, we've got to wait till the water settles, okay. And so God has good draining systems. So God can just open the, uh, the, the sewer, then everything will go down, and then God can tell Noah, all right, listen, I got rid of the world, you got saved, uh, you, you got on the Teba on a Monday, now it's Tuesday, Sever Teba. No. How long does Noah have to live on the Teba? 12 months. Now hold it, says Hatam Sofer. 12 months. But the purpose to go on the Teba was so he could get saved from the destruction. Well, the destruction is over after day one. Let him go off. Unless you say that there's another reason why Noah has to go on the Teba besides to get saved from, from the flood. And what could that be? And the Hatam Sofer, as well as great rabbis before him, like Rabbi Moshe Al-Sheikh, he says that uh, Noah was great, there's no question about it. But in 120 years, he wasn't able to convince anybody and save them, SOS, save our souls. He wasn't able to save one soul. Which means that Al-Sheikh says he didn't go out and recruit exactly and, and convince people to what's going to happen. I mean, isn't that the job of a rabbi not only to learn himself, but then to go out and share the wealth and convince people? I mean, even, I mean, I don't care how boring you are. The rabbi has a student. Every rabbi has some student that he convinced of something. Except Noah. The Pasuk says clearly, Noah walked with God. Meaning, and not with the people. I probably have a lot of reasons why he didn't. Hatam Sofir says, it wasn't his nature. 
Noah's name is what? Noah. What does Noah mean? He's a, he's a Noah. Easygoing, non-confrontational. And therefore, to, to, to do this job, you have to be willing to go to war against these people. And these guys are bullies. And uh, Noah wasn't wired like that. You know, he's a humble guy, tzaddik, you know, passive. Noah, learning and studying. Uh, Noah, what you going to tell him? Yes, and, uh, live and let live, leave me alone. It's not my way. Whatever reason, but he says, it wasn't his nature. Fine. <clears throat> wasn't his nature. Oh, and therefore, as a result, that it wasn't his, his nature, God says, well, that's, you have to pay for that. You have to pay for that. And therefore, the Al-Sheikh goes on to say, Midah keneged midah. You didn't want to leave your house to go influence the people. Therefore, you will be locked up in the teba. Midah keneged midah. You don't want to leave? Good, you won't have to leave. You want to be, stay in your house with the door locked? Good. Bo'ila teba. Go onto the teba. And, and, and lock the door. And you'll see how it feels. So actually, according to Al-Sheikh, going onto the teba is a punishment for Noah. Uh, yeah, punishment. It's kapara, no question about it. As a matter of fact, Al-Sheikh even says, when God is telling Noah to build the teba, he tells him to put tar on the teba. Now, if you know anything about how they built the teba, they didn't only tar it on the outside, but they tarred it on the inside, which means they, it smelled the high heaven on the teba. I mean, you, you, you go to the gas station, you can't, you can't breathe, and just standing in front of a, a gas tank uh, for a couple of seconds. Could you imagine living in a, 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 a teba for one year and all the tar on the inside? And the Torah says, yeah, and that's part of Noah's tikkun. And if you look at the language of the way they tarred it, it says, v'chafarta oto. V'chafarta means to tar. And, 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 and Rabbi Al-Sheikh says that the word kaparta also comes from the word kapara. That the reason why v'chafarta, because you need a kapara. And the way, that's part of it. And he goes on to say, and you didn't take care of the, of the people, so you didn't do chesed with the people. Therefore, you got to retrain yourself to do chesed with the animals. And therefore, Noah now would have to, you know, he didn't get a chance to do it with the people. And instead he's doing it with the, uh, you know, with the giraffes and the, and, and, and the zebras and the elephants. But it, it, that was his rectification. It's interesting. So that means day one on the Teba was for the people. The rest of the year was for Noah in order to uh, rehabilitate himself. Now the question is, did it work or not? Well, Hatab Sofer says, yeah, absolutely. Because if you look at the end of the story, when he gets off the Teba, and by the way, I, I want to point this out. When does he get off the Teba? Not when the flood ends. When God tells him, Tebena Teba. Now, hold it. What, what do you need God to tell him to get off the Teba? Look out the window. There's a window. You see, it's dry. Get off the... Because since it's a sentence... He has to wait for God to tell him your kapara is up. You have reached your tikkun, and only God knows that. And therefore, after 12 months, God said, It's not like he could just get off, uh, you know, uh, at, at, the next, uh, at the next port as he wishes. So what happens? 
What happens over here is, Noah comes off the teva. Huh? <clears throat> what does he do? First things first. He builds a mezbeach, an altar, and he brings korbanot on the mezbeach. And Pasuk writes, God smelled the aroma. And of course, that's a mashal. That need to smell these things. Vayomer Hashem. So God says, Elibol lo osif lekalil olet adama. Noah, you've succeeded. I will never do this again to the world. Even though the people might deserve it, you have saved the world from destruction, Noah. Which tells me that what? The one that we were blaming a second ago. Ah, he didn't speak to the people. It seems that based on his rectification on the Teba, Noah now was a different person. <coughs> to the extent where now he's able to convince God never to do this again. And we even mention him in the Mushaf of Rosh Hashanah. Begamit Noah. You remember Noah. And you remember Noah in the Zichut of Noah. So, we must make a point over here. I think it's unfair when we ask the question, and it's going to come up over Shabbat, I'm sure. Was Noah a tzaddik? Was he not a tzaddik? And then we fall into the trap right away, and we answer the question. We say, oh, he was a tzaddik. No, he wasn't a tzaddik. That's a trap. How are you supposed to answer a question like that? Exactly. Like I always tell you how rabbis answer questions. You have to say it depends. And then you'll always be right. And guess what? That is the answer. It depends which Noah you're talking about. Are you talking about the Noah before the flood? Or are you talking about Noah after the flood? That you have no right to, to indict Noah conclusively because at the end... God smells his korban and says, I will not bring a flood anymore. I mean, at the end, clearly Noah has reached the level of tikkun. Now, if you want to start questioning, well, you know, he was, he wasn't. That's before the fact. But after the fact, I mean, Noah is, 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 is reborn. And I think that's what the pasuk means. Ele toledot Noah, Noah. The pasuk is coming to tell you, hey, there's two Noahs in this parasha. And, and, and don't make that mistake. You got to know there's Noah. Pre-Mabul and there's Noah. Uh, Post-Mabul. Now, I think there's something else uh, to recognize over here. But at the end of the day, I mean, Noah, he made a tikkun of some sort. The chesed that he was supposed to do with the people, he ended up doing with the animals. All right, it's a close tikkun. I mean, it's not exactly a, a tikkun, I would say. I mean, doing a chesed to, a, to an aardvark is not like doing a chesed to, a, to, a, to another human. So how is the tikkun exactly done over here? 
I mean, I'm not trying to indict Noah anymore. God says it's done, it's done. But I just want to understand how it's done. So there's an amazing midrash that I think that gives the answer to this. How really Noah made it tikkun? And this shows you the ways of God, how he allows everybody to become rectified. So the pasuk says, in this conversation when Noah, when, sorry, when Shem was talking to Abraham, remember I told you they met each other? So I told you that Shem was complaining, oh, what a, what a boat ride that was. And he goes on to tell them all the miseries that they had. And then he tells them, Amar Abraham uh, Malkitzedek, how did you survive it? We did a lot of tzedakah on the boat. I mean, I don't doubt the collectors probably got on the teba to collect money. They, they, they figure out a way to do anything, these guys. But the Gemara says, I mean, Noah didn't walk on the Tibah. It wasn't a guy saying, I'm collecting for a wedding. How'd that guy get on the Tibah? There was no anim over there. So how did he do tzedakah? The only ones that were on the Tibah was Noah. So who's giving tzedakah over here? But I was asking, he was questioning. Where did you do tzedakah to? I don't understand. Amar leh, he told him, ala behemah, <laughs> to all the animals, all the creatures. We didn't sleep. The country serving, uh, you know, the kitchen was always open. Now listen to this. You learn a great lesson from Abraham's reaction to this. Basically, he's interviewing a survivor. Now, most people, after they interview the survivor, okay, they got the information, they record it, they send it to the museum, and this is the facts. And it doesn't change their life whatsoever. They're just able to collect facts. Avraham hears this and says, whoa, this is a life-changing lesson I just heard. And Avraham says, Amar Avraham, Uma These people... Because they did kindness with the animals. That's what freed them. They did kindness to the animals. If I commit my life to do hesed to people, Allah had kama bekama. And therefore, what does he do at that moment? He opened up his first hotel in Be'er Sheva, not the Holiday Inn. It was called Eshel. And the Midrash says, what kind of Eshel? What kind of name is that? Eshel Rashi Tevot, Achila, Shetiyah, Levaya. Meaning he wouldn't only, he would give them to eat, he would give them to drink, and then he would escort them. Or some say Lina, he also gave them lodging. What's going on over here? Now, we all know that these hotels were not just to give them food and, 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 and amenities. This was a way for Abraham to save their souls through their stomach. He would bring them in, feed them, give them to drink, 
and then they would come to pay the bill. He would say, no, 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 you don't have to pay any bills, just make Birkat Amazon. Birkat Amazon, we don't know Birkat Amazon, let me explain to you who Hashem is. And before you knew it, they left, uh, uh, these, it, was, it was like, a, it was like a, a seminar, it was like a, 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 something about Teshuvah a, 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 a retreat. You came in uh, like, a, like, like a hippie and you, you left like with a, a black hat on. The point is, Avram, that's, that, that was his operation to bring people back to Teshuvah. And who was the inspiration of Abraham? Noah. That means we all talk about Abraham. He was the one that outreached. And he went out to the people. Like we talk about. But nobody ever wonders where did Abraham get the idea from? And it turns out, you know, who gets the credit and gave the idea? Well, not that not verbally. I mean, Noah, we don't see him talking, but and neither did Shem. Shem didn't tell him do this. Shem just said, this is what happened. But Abraham said, wait, one plus one equals two. If this is how Noah and his family got saved on the Teba by doing this tremendous amount of chesed to the creatures, imagine if we do this type of chesed to the higher creature, to the humans, and we can bring them a chesed, which is to teach them about godliness and monotheism, so all of Abraham's great work actually is credited to Noah. So in my opinion, did Noah ultimately make a tikkun? He did, through Abraham. Now I go back to my question. Noah is a tzaddik, he's a tamim, bedorotav, well, the explanation might be as follows. We know that somebody in the Torah was called a Tamim. Take a guess who? Avraham Abinu. But nice guess. Avraham Abinu, in the, in the next week's parasha, God says to him, Hitalech lefanai ve'yetamim. Avraham was a Tamim. So the Pasuk on a much deeper level must be saying like this. That Noah is Sadiq Tamim. He himself was a Sadiq. But Noah also inspired the Tamim. And that's why it says Bidorotav in the plural generations. There's the Noah of his generation, and then there's the consequence of Noah that influenced another generation. The generation of Noah is the generation of the Sadiq. But the influence that he had was on the Tamim, that is regarding Avram Abinu. And I will say something which is a derasha, but just to make it a drop sweeter. Although, I don't know how we can make it sweeter than this, but I'll just add a little sugar to the derash. The Ibn Ezra, in the first Ibn Ezra of this week's derasha, he just tells us a little history. And he tells us, and I quote, Ibn Ezra, oh here it is. He tells us how long Noah lived. Noah actually lived all the way to Abraham. Abraham was 58 years when Noah passed away, and then the Ibn Ezra, in a poetic way, says, 
Basiman. You want to remember this? Haya Avinu Ben Noah Kishemet Noah. Our father was how many years? 58. What's the letters of 58 in Hebrew? Noah. So the Ibn Ezra says, Our father was Ben Noah Kishemet Noah. He was 58, Noah, when Noah died. You think it's a coincidence? Could it be a coincidence that all of a sudden Abraham is 58, the exact letters of Noah, and when he's 58, Noah dies? That means in a certain sense, Abraham is also Noah. He replaced Noah. When Noah left the world, we still have a Noah. Who's the Noah? Abraham. And therefore the Pasuk might be saying, Ele toledot Noah, Noah. There's the Noah of the flood, and there's the Noah of Abraham. That he replaced Noah when Abraham died. When Noah died, who replaced him right away? Abraham, at the same age, 2058. And therefore the Pasuk is saying, read this pirasha with such depth. You're reading the story over here of Noah, Noah. One Noah was a Sadiq, and one Noah was a Tamim, in their respective generations. But it was Noah number one that it was the inspiration to Noah number two, which is Abraham. And this opens up a whole, a whole new interpretation. And that's, and that's what it means. And that's what it means when it says. Uh, in the in, in the Rashi, that Noah was mekitane amana. He didn't have belief. He's ma'amin below ma'amin. It means to say that he thought that God is going to have mercy not only on the generation, but he thought that God would have mercy on him because he knew he was going to get punished. He knew that going on the teba was a punishment. The only reason why Noah went on to the table because the flood had to push him because he thought God's going to have mercy on him and say, okay, Noah, we'll give you another chance. But obviously God's patience wore out even on Noah. So he was not only on the generation, but he was not that God would punish him to the extent. Ultimately, God said, Noah, it's a punishment, but it's a tikkun. So he went on the teba. And ultimately, it's true. If Noah was in Abraham's t- time, well, he wouldn't have the problem that he had in his generation. Because Abraham was doing all the work for him. Abraham went out to outreach. He's only considered uh, deficient in his generation where he didn't do the work. But if he lived in Abraham's time, his deficiency would not have stood out. But ultimately, he goes on the Teba, he has his tikkun, and guess what? Somebody 10 generations later heard about what he did on the Teba. Look how Shem brings everybody together. Could you imagine if Avram never met Shem? I mean, they bumped into each other. They didn't have WhatsApp. It's not like he said, Shem, where are you? I want to interview for, 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 for a book report. He, he, he found him. He bumped into him. And sure enough, he tells them the words that lit a light bulb up in Avram Abinu's mind. And it is that that he started the Eshel. And therefore, Noah, Noah. The two Noahs. The Noah of Parashat Noah, of the Mabul, and the Noah of Abraham, the Tzaddik, and the Tamim, the Dorotav. Okay, we'll stop.